Welcome to the Chrissy Crash Podcast. I'm Chrissy Crash, a former smoker, drinker, fast food eater, unhappy bartender, transformed into a roller derby athlete, runner, and fitness coach. Each week, I'll bring you an insightful guest or lesson learned from my own perfectly imperfect life to help you uncover how to create more love, light, joy, and health in your everyday experience despite the chaos and challenges. I believe that life is a contact sport. Let the games begin. Do you want to elevate your game on the track in 12 weeks or less, guaranteed? Yeah, I said it. If I could help you get fitter, faster, stronger, and more confident on the track while having more joy, self-confidence, and love in your life outside the track in just 12 weeks, guaranteed, would you be interested? Well, click the link in the show notes to learn more. What's up, my friends? Chrissy Crash here. Welcome to another episode of the Chrissy Crash Podcast. I am here today with Matt Panzerino, aka Grandmaster Smash, known to some of you guys just as Smash. Also, you may know him from his Instagram, Smash Derby Skills. He is a former minor league hockey player who turned roller derby athlete and roller derby coach. And uh, he currently plays with the San Diego Aftershocks and coaches Big Island Roller Derby, Echo City Knockouts, and the 808 High Rollers Junior Team out in Hawaii. Um, And he's also run clinics all over the world. So hi, Matt. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, guys. (laughs) So I actually came across Matt's Instagram and... I was super stoked. Like everything, Smash, everything that you're doing is like so awesome. Like he has so many amazing skills on there. I was like, this dude knows what the F he's talking about. So I was excited to kind of pick his brain and have him come on. And as I sort of heard his story and, you know, hearing about how you, you know, grew up like learning how to be an athlete, which is something like I'm so obsessed with teaching people how to be athletes. And it sounds like you have a really cool story. So talk a little bit about that. Like, what was it like growing up? growing up as an athlete? Um, so, you know, initially, you everybody starts in the same place. You, you find something that you're passionate about and you fall in love with. And for me, from a very young age, I didn't really have a choice. I was given a hockey stick and a surfboard. And that, that, was, that was what I had to choose from, right? So I had both those choices. My uncles all played ice hockey. It's in the family. I started skating when I was four. And immediately that's that's all I wanted to do I wanted I wanted to to play ice hockey in the winter and I wanted to surf in the summer and that was my that was my thing so that that immediate like you need that passion you have to be passionate about something to get you started on the pathway yeah oh a hundred percent first of all I'm so jealous that you grew up surfing I would have killed to have grown up surfing wait so did you grow up in you did you grow up in Hawaii no I'm originally from New Jersey and believe it or not, oh. there are waves in New Jersey. The waves are pretty good. Aren't they like freezing now? Are you wearing like a six mil wetsuit? <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, that's why. So, I live in oh my god! Well, that's why I live in Costa Rica. I totally understand. I actually just went and brought my. I have a, a seven mil scuba diving wetsuit wetsuit that I had back in the states, and when I cleared out my stuff, I brought it down because I figure if I ever go and surf anywhere other than Costa Rica, I'm just going to bring this, like, floaty seven-mil suit with me and just, like, float around in it. It's so cold everywhere else. What's your water temperature? Here in Hawaii? Yeah. Yeah. Coldest is 75, and it gets up to about 80, 78, 79. Yeah. Yeah. We're, like, I think our water is, like, 85. 
It's like, yeah, it's, it's like bath water. And especially in like the summer, you're like, oh my God, you like choke it to yeah. get cool. And it's like the same temperature as the air. I, I, I spent, I was fortunate enough to be able to spend some time in Costa Rica. I loved it. It was beautiful down there. Nice. Where did you go? Uh, based out of Tamarindo, but I went up and down the Pacific coast. Awesome. Yeah. I'm like two hours south of Tamarindo. Nice. It's magical here. And oh, by the way, we're building a roller skating rink. So, uh, awesome. and we'll be running, starting something called Derby in Paradise. I don't know if you saw this, but I'm going to be doing roller derby clinics out here. So we'll have to get you out here for a little surf, <laughs> surf teaching of the roller derby session. Twist my arm. Let's go. Yeah. Sh shameless plug for Derby in Paradise. <laughs> Check out ChrissyCrash.com if you want to learn more. <laughs> so what do you feel like, so in terms of, of kind of growing up in your sport, like how do you, how did you, or how do you handle like pressure or deal with stress like before or during a competition? Was that like a hard thing when you were a kid as you got into like higher levels? Did you feel like there was a lot more stress? Was that a hard thing to deal with? Yeah. And I mean, again, it's also, I'm going to show my age now too. It was it, part of the culture of my age group was a lot of hard pushing from coaches. It's, it's at this point, it, there's a, a blend of push, but not over, like, if you don't do this, you're never going to succeed. And, and like that kind of, those were the things that were, that were hard to deal with as far as preparation for comp competition you have such a good structure and such a good plan that you practice at that level all the time. So competition is kind of your practices should be harder than your competition. Yes. If that makes sense. I mean, you, you practice at such a high level and so, at, at such intensity that when you get to the actual game, it's, it's easier than your practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. They always say that, right? Like you should practice how you play versus just like coming in and yeah. dicking around and then expecting to be like a high level athlete. Right. And then also, I mean, you tend to, as you move up in levels, mm -hmm. a majority of the pressure is put on by yourself. Yeah. I mean, there is some aspect to perform and you amplify that yourself because your desire to perform is, it becomes, oh, if I don't play well, I'm not going to play again, or I'm going to lose my spot or, yeah. and there's a gotta be a balance in that. And that was as a, a younger person, especially in my teen years, that was the hardest thing to balance. It's like recognizing you're allowed to have a bad game once in a while. It's not, not everybody's perfect. Right. But when you're, when you're in that mindset, you feel like, oh, if I mess up, I'm never going to play again. I'm going to lose my seat. I'm never going to get, get a chance. So once you figure that out, you can kind of begin to work through some of that. But a lot of that is self-induced. I'm not saying that there's not pressure put on you by coaches, by team, by situation, but uh, the self-absorbed pressure that you that you in the heap on yourself is is one of the things that you really have to learn or learn to work through. Well, and I feel like that's one of the things that's so great about growing up in sports is eventually in everyone's life we're all going to have pressure put on us, and I feel like sports are such a good metaphor for life. Do you feel like that's crossed over for you at all? Like, do you feel like you've taken a lot of that into your life? Definitely, one hundred percent. And it, like, if if you really think about how you prepare to perform at athletics, you really need to apply those those skills and that structure to your daily life to be successful. Yeah. And it, it if you take the ask like my my current occupation, 
if I were to sit here and tell you that I'm a salesperson, I would lose my mind. I'm not, I, I can't, but it's a game, right? It's a game. You have to prepare it like a game. You got to practice. You got to know your, your plays. You got to know how to operate under pressure. And then you, once you've applied those, it becomes clear and much easier to, to accomplish goals. Well, this is why a lot of high level athletes actually end up in sales. Did you know that? That's like, a, yeah. it's like a thing. Because it's yeah. like, it is, it's like, take these people that are used to being under pressure, that are used to sucking at something until they're good at it, that are used to doing something hard, and then like put them in a situation that's as hard as like selling anything. And we're just like, yeah, come on, let me know, let me try it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to sell the shit out of that thing. Like, <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. So do you have any like rituals or routines or things like that, that you either use now or you used as a kid, like when you were dealing with that kind of pressure or stress? Yeah. I mean, you have like hockey players are super superstitious, like 100% probably the most superstitious athlete you'll ever meet or ice hockey players and down to, and this is ridiculous. So you're going to laugh your ass off. I get dressed the same way every day. I have since I started playing ice hockey. Every day, the same way. How? My left sock on. It's just the way I do it. Wait, will you, give us, will you break it down for us? What is the order? So if I, I'm getting ready to get dressed, I, I put on my left sock first, then my right sock. Then I put my left leg in my pants, then my right leg in my pants. never changes. Never, ever changes. Left arm in the armhole, then right arm in the armhole. Like, it doesn't matter. I get dressed the same way every time. I got to make sure I tie my boots twice. Maybe it's a little bit OCD, but I got I to gotta tie them once, undo them, tie them up again. That, that's the type of stuff. I mean, believe me, I was way worse when I was playing hockey. There were a lot of, like, down to how I taped my stick, and it had to be perfect. Everything had to be just the way it was supposed to be borderline OCD, probably OCD, but, <laughs> but those type of ritual and, and it was, it was preparation and it helped focus and bring my center myself back into what I was doing and what I needed to accomplish. But yeah, you, like to help, I always, I always thought it was a joke, but when I was young, I, my dad would always get on me about making my bed. He'd be like, you gotta make your bed. You gotta make your bed. It took me, I don't know, 40 years later to figure out what it is all about. And you, when you wake up, the first task in the morning, the first goal you accomplish is make your bed. You've cut, you already cut one goal off the list. You've accomplished something. And that's, that's along the same lines of that preparation and ritual. You know, you, when you wake up in the morning before competition, day of competition, have a program that you do so that your mind and body are getting ready to compete. Yes, I love that. We we actually teach a lot of that in Cross Cross and Transformation about like daily rituals. Like what are the things that you're specifically doing every single day so that your brain isn't waking up into chaos? And actually Original Sin and I just did like a whole podcast episode on like pre-game rituals and it is. It's like it's such a like calming meditative like you're going out into freaking battle against this other team and it's like you have to just like zone in and get every possible thing that could be screwed up around you, like making sure that everything is just so perfect and ready that you can walk out on the track or the ice or whatever without having to worry or think about anything else. Right. Exactly. So, 
Did you ever have a time where like you fell? I mean, cause you were playing, you played hockey for a long time. Like, did you ever have a time that you fell out of love with it? Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, my, my story, my high school years, I was pushing and pushing and pushing and I left my hometown and I went to a boarding school someplace I did not want to be. I was not happy there. Yeah. You got to a point where it, at 16, 15 years old, it's a job. It literally is a job. And something that you started out with just nothing but pure love for gets so twisted. And that's when you have that first real life lesson of, hey, this is work. This is what life is. This is a job. Yeah. And I battled it. In fact, I, I battled it to a, a, a mental point where I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I kind of removed, I, I removed myself from my highest opportunity moment. And I don't have a regret about it, but I have an understanding at this point in my life. It was like, mm-hmm. hey, that was, that was the moment where you needed to push and dive in head first and go extra. And the, my, my own personal fear was the one that got in the way. And, and I've, I fell out and, and back in love with hockey a million times. Yeah. It's tricky though, right? I mean, to be like, actually to be great at something. And I think a lot of skaters go through this. They come in cause they love roller derby, but then there is this reality where to become great at something, sometimes it's going to suck. And sometimes you're going to do it when you don't want to do it because you're doing it for like the greater good of the team being fucking awesome. And it's, right. it's a weird thing, you know, yeah. especially with something like roller derby that's like recreational too. I mean, I, I luckily fell into it and I was like, you know, I was like, put me in coach, where do I go? And I just felt like 15 years, like, oh, like I'll be as good at this sport. I'm a professional athlete, even though no one's paying me. But now, you know, it's like now coming back to derby, like I am very much here for the fun. And yeah. I, I sometimes have to check myself, right? Of like... Yeah. Hey, do you find that now too, like with Derby or are you on the, like, I am here to be also the greatest roller derby skater alive oh, or are you? No, no, I, I don't have any delusions of grandeur and roller derby. <laughs> I, I 100% for me, like, so I know maybe we're jumping ahead, but roller derby is like this ice hockey was my whole life for a long time. And then mm-hmm. I moved to Hoy and there's not, there's one ice rink in Oahu, which is another island away from me. It, it's not great for hockey they don't do it very often it's pretty brutal and i had a void i found roller derby it filled the void for a couple of reasons first like you spend all these years training and learning and and getting to this point where you you reach whatever the pinnacle of your of your performance is i had you have to give back you have to be able to share what you've learned and roller derby was that perfect opportunity for me it was just like hey i I get the same feeling i get when i was teaching skating lessons to kids in ice hockey and coaching ice hockey it's the same growth it's the same process and it's it's it was really enjoyable personally to be able to do that and share this knowledge with a completely different you know world of people so that that's cool and as far as competing I do it because I love to compete and I'm, I mean, I might be old, but I'm not like dead. So I, I want to keep going. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Right. Like having that shift and that, that ability to like give back 
and to take everything that you've learned, you spent all of these years pouring into yourself and it's like, oh, now I have this place that I can take that and like contribute it is such a cool, cool opportunity to have. And we're going to talk plug for the next podcast. We will be talking about um, some coaching philosophies and things like that. So make sure you tune in for the next podcast with Smash coming up after this one. But so what advice like do you give like when you have athletes that are that are coming in that are maybe being hard on themselves or are maybe you know I think a lot of people come into roller derby having never played a sport before and they just immediately right. want to be good or they get really impatient or so what advice do you give to like either younger athletes working with the junior team or people just coming into the sport to like help develop that like athlete mindset Right so I mean, first off, it's, it's that passion. If they show you that passion as a coach, then mm-hmm. you, it's your job as a coach to kind of ch- help them channel that. And then when you, you take that, that passion and you apply in the discipline and structure of a coaching program, how, you know, how to learn mm-hmm. to do these, you know, how, to, how do you build a skating skill? How do you build your game knowledge? How do you actually play? All of those things. And you, you continue to, pl- to plot that out with a plan. There needs to be a plan. And then you have to continue to preach persistence. You're, yeah. you're going to fall a million times. The, per, the per, per, persistence, I can speak, the discipline, <laughs> the planning, the passion are what enable you to get up that one million and one times. And you, you get through a million falls, you get up one million and one times, you've won. And that's, and that's how you help those types of, of players who, you know, I need it today. It's not going to happen today. And one of the most amazing things about roller derby in general, compared to any other sport, is the majority of athletes are amazing athletes. And they've gotten there with, like, very little full actual form. They just grab whatever they can do. And it's like a natural reaction. And they've mm-hmm. achieved so, such a high level. With a little bit of form, you can imagine how far that the game's going to explode. It's just it's just going to go another level. But those form that takes time, it takes repetition, it just takes a lot of practice. You just got to release yourself into the process, go through the process because that's how you grow in life and in sport. You just you just dive into the process and you you take one step at a time, work through each process piece get to the end goal. And in one moment it's happening and you don't even know it's happening. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. It's just, it's like bit by bit, day by day, being willing to show up, being willing to suck at it. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So just to close out our first of a three part series of podcasts, Smash, can you give us like five lessons from growing up as a high level athlete, things that you would want to pass on to people? Yeah, again, and there a lot of these are the similar, just what I just mentioned, passion. You need to have that that love and desire and drive has to be there from you, the athlete. It can't be given to you by anyone else. So if you do not have that in your heart, you're, you won't accomplish the goal. But again, if you've put yourself in this position, you, you must have that passion at least a little bit to get there, right? Discipline, you need to have a structure. There has to be some plan and program that you're working to. And that rolls right into planning with together with a coaching staff or your coach or yourself. There needs to be a plan, a roadmap for you to accomplish measurable goals that you work for. If you just show up and say, I want to be on the charter team, I want to play. 
that's great. That's the overarching goal. But how do you get there each step in between making that happen? It's it's real easy to go astray if you don't have that kind of guidance and that that discipline to do that. Persistence, you need to have that ability to take a setback, fall down, get back up, maybe not reach where you thought you might reach, continue to keep pushing and to keep battling to get to that end, end goal. Persistence really needs to be important there. And then one of the most underrated, and I, it took me a long time to figure this out, is your support. You can't accomplish any of these goals without a support network, you know, and as a young, as a kid, I, I didn't take for granted what my parents did, but as an adult understanding the sacrifices that my parents made, the support that I had from my coaching staffs, all these people that really get behind you to help you achieve an individual goal. You, you, you without that support system, it's nearly impossible for you to reach the pinnacle of what you're trying to achieve. And that's the same in life too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one, that one actually really hits home. Like that makes me think back on like being a, a child athlete and I was a goalkeeper. I played soccer and I had like a specific goalie coach. And I mean, Sherry was my goalie coach and it was like, she was like me and her and she's helping me and like pushing me and like having those people that that we forget as adults that played sports like we did. We had so many people that helped us along the way, which I think is, is why it's important that as roller derby, I mean, it's such a massive sport that our, that our coaches are coming in educated on how to develop athletes out of people, not just developing the athlete, but actually helping the person develop. Plug for the third podcast episode that we're going to do. <laughs> I swear I'm not planning this. It's just happening. <laughs> Episode three, we will be talking about developing the whole athlete. Smash, this is super awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your wise wisdom and knowledge. Uh, I'm excited for us to come back and do our second podcast. I'm yeah. excited to hear about your adventures in, in training and shifting from you know player to coach. So my friends, if this has been helpful, if you have loved any piece of this, please screenshot it, share it on your socials, tag me, tag Smash. I will put his information in the show notes. Go check out his Instagram. There are like fire drills on there. And then we will see you guys in the next episode. See you later.